All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster. My name is Gaius Bowling, and it's just the two of us this week. Just nice. us today, man. Just us. First time in a while, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. We, uh, even though we love having guests on, it's kind of nice to go back to the basics sometimes and just the, OG. the two of us. <laughs> yes, the OG yeah, lineup. I was actually list- I was listening to um, just kind of looking back at some of our other episodes. I was re uh, re listening to the. No Country for Old Men one. I think that might have been the last time that we had just us. Yeah, and that was like, what, a few weeks ago? Gosh, it was almost five now, at least. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird when I'm doing like the uh, the episode numbers when I have to send this to playlists. I'm like, oh, we've done this many already. It yeah. doesn't seem like a lot, but it is a lot. <laughs> I was actually, I, I forgot to, I was going to text you when we did our, we hit our 26th episode. That is officially half a year. So we've almost yeah. got, we've almost been doing this. Um, I guess now we've been doing it more than six months. So really it's flying by, man. It, it's crazy. I mean, I can still think of when, when we just would talk and be like, dude, we should start a podcast. And now it's like <laughs> in full effect, man. And now here we are. Here we are. 20 some, 20 some episodes in with so much more to offer, but, uh, yeah, I, I was doing our looking at our schedule for like this month and June and July, and there's just a lot, but it's exciting because wow. it's like it gives us gives us an opportunity to like kind of do new things and try new things and then have other people yeah. on as well. Like it's exactly gives something to look forward to. Um, I was going to say if you uh, watched anything this weekend, but you, I know you were gone on Saturday, and then I yeah. didn't have time to watch. Nothing really came out this weekend, movie wise. It was a quiet weekend because I think they're. Uh, I think they were kind of gearing up for Doctor Strange, which is this week. So yeah, uh, they, it was a slow weekend. It's about to be a big weekend this weekend, though, because that movie is like tracking to open to like one hundred and fifty million dollars, and I think it actually might go higher than that. I think there's. Like, I, I I'm gonna guess like one eighty. That's what I was gonna do. I'm I'm gonna I was yeah. actually gonna do that in the the box office predictions for Joe Blow. I was gonna. I think that's the number. I think there's like a nice. lot of like anticipation from coming off of like. Spider-Man and then also coming off of WandaVision for like people that want to know mm-hmm. what happened with her by the time she gets into this movie. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people think that Doctor Strange is kind of taking the place of like the Robert Downey Jr. like Tony Stark. Like he's like that guy now. The, um, yeah. The, um, the flagship um, guy yeah. leading the cast. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm happy to see like Sam Raimi back directing a Marvel movie because, you know, he, did spider-man 20 years ago he started with that yeah. and uh you know by the time he was done with like spider-man 3 because of what sony wanted him to do with it like they wanted to cram so many things in the spider-man 3 which is why he thinks it didn't fully work and he kind of was mm-hmm. like a little disillusioned about working on big projects like that again because that's why he went back to doing smaller stuff like drag me to hell and the kind of the stuff yeah. that made him popular like in the 80s um mm-hmm. But he, but he was confident in getting this. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see like how it turns out for him with that as well. Because uh, I remember, I remember when Spider-Man came out before when they announced him as director. No one really had faith that he could do it because he had already done. He only mm-hmm. done like smaller movies, and yeah. uh, he proved everyone wrong. So, um, oh, definitely. I mean, but, he started the started the trend of superhero, like revitalizing the entire um, comic book genre. Yeah, I mean, like you know, everyone gives credit to like you know Blade and X Men. They, they they did come out first and they were successful, but Spider Man was successful on a whole nother level compared. to It was to a phenomenon for sure. I mean, I, I think that when it came out, um, I think it was the perfect superhero to restart that sort of thing. I think Blade has a little bit more of like a darker sense to it, um, and then 
with the uh, X-Men, I feel like that's there's too many characters all at once to really get something to start. So it's like right. when – I mean, obviously, they, they did have their success and X-Men kind of went – had its ups and downs. I mean, <laughs> it went from like – it was like good. It was really good and then it went bad after X3 and then it went good again with um, Days of Futures Past and then bad with Dark Phoenix. Like they've just had a whole ride of good and bad movies. So I think that th- that franchise has its own thing anyway. But uh, I think Spider-Man having like a singular origin story – uh, of a hero that everyone loves and knows was just a perfect way to to get back into the into the franchise. Yeah, I think so too. And it's funny that you saying that about X Men because there are definitely some peaks and valleys <laughs> in the X Men franchise where it's like, all right, they're doing well, and they're still doing okay, and then like, oh, what happened? And then like, oh, they're good again. All right, they're really good again, and then oh, yeah. what the fuck happened? <laughs> I just like, I just feel like they had like their casting was either perfect or absolutely terrible like yeah. Hugh Jackman and um I even think James McAvoy as um the younger professor, yeah, professor X. X and then I think uh Michael Fassbender as Magneto I mean those are such perfect casting decisions but then you get something like honestly not gonna lie Halle Berry as Storm like <laughs> not really like that character wasn't really the best and so I think that there's definitely a few choices that they like they just didn't have every single thing right but uh, I, I right. love those movies and um they definitely deserve their moment yeah um you know what's funny about Halle Berry you saying that every time I think back on the first X-Men I'm like who else could have played her and at the time you know, Angela Bassett's always been like a big actress. I think she would they would have considered her like too old even then. Um, oh really? But I, I was, but I was like Holly Berry. I guess at the time that made it, it makes it seem like there was just not a lot of black actresses to choose from because like yeah. she was like she wasn't even like a huge name then. I mean, she was known and she was in movies, but she definitely she was had Bond girl before that, right? No, it was after she got so she did X Men in two thousand. Um, right before she does the second X-Men movie, which is why I think they beefed her part up a lot, she won her Oscar mm-hmm. for Monsters Ball for Monsters Ball. So okay. like she so she definitely was one of those people that when X2 came back, I remember reading that she had some definitely it was a lot of uh re uh redoing her contract on that. Cause yeah. she was like, I got an Oscar, I got an Oscar. I'm so. an Oscar winner now, yeah. Pay yeah. me some money. Yeah, so they're like, I mean, I, I think they use her fighting in the second X-Men. Like, she's not in it too much, and she's in it just enough. Um, but, I, I yeah, that casting choice is weird, because I don't think, even though I think she's a good actress, I don't think at the time that she had, like, a, the gravitas to play someone like Storm, because Storm is, like, in the comic books, is, like, pretty much almost like a goddess, basically. Like, she has, like, the yeah. commanding presence. And, and Barry, also, it's like a leader, a leader of the team, where it seemed like in the movie she was just kind of there. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like in the comics, it's her and Cyclops that lead the team. Um, yeah. And in the first X Men movie, you don't get that impression at all. And like to be fair, everyone in that movie, with the like, it's Hugh Jackman's show for sure. And then yeah. Anna Paquin, Anna Paquin gets a lot to do as Rogue. And then of course, like Ian McKellen I and her uh, character, bro. I, I thought I thought she was <laughs> terrible. That whole Rogue character was whoever wrote that character was. It just frustrated me. I mean, any anytime she was on screen, it was just not my favorite. Yeah, you know, it at the time I was like, okay, I can see why they made her a teenager because she wasn't like a teenager in the comic book when they introduced her. 
I can see why they made her a teenager because like the whole like she can't touch anyone. That I mean that would affect you a lot as like an adolescent. So I, okay, so I get I kind of got that angle a little God, bit. The whole, the whole like <laughs> side story of uh, the whole side story of what was it like Ice Guy? What was his um oh, Ice Man? <laughs> ice Man. Like she was like, yeah, I want to date you. I want to date you, but I can't even hold your hand. I was like, dude, just find another girlfriend, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, just move on, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, she was kind of whiny in the in the first one. They kind of made her better in the mm-hmm. second one, but then in the second one and the third one, she kind of gets like just pushed into the this whole ensemble that's already yeah. too big. And then of course yeah. they introduce new characters in all the movies. And um, mm-hmm. I will I will say this because like uh, speaking on Doctor Strange, everyone's just like because it's like a multiverse thing. Everyone's like, oh, like because there's hints that you know Patrick Stewart is in. Uh, this in some kind of multiverse angle kind of thing. Hints and hints. No, 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 okay, I won't say hint. Something leaks, I guess. <laughs> it was it's, it's shitty. I was going to ask. If, I was going to ask <laughs> if you wanted to talk about the leaks today. If they, if we're <laughs> able to, yeah, we can talk about it. Say about what happened. I mean, I was mad that T, of, T, of all places, TMZ reported. It. I was like, you guys never report stuff like that. Yeah. and it is kind of shitty for like fans that want to be surprised. But I, but if anything, I think it just gives probably more incentive for people to go see it to see how they kind of yeah. use um yeah all, all these surprises let's all like john krasinski thing uh which you know that that was like Captain you know, Carter. Been, yeah that has been like they've been trying to trying to fan cast john krasinski into a marvel movie for like years him and emily blunt they want him mm-hmm. to definitely be reed, they want him to be reed richards and they want her to be sue storm and emily blunt has in the past, like in interviews, being like, "Hey, I don't want to do superhero movies. Nothing against them; they're just not my thing." What's crazy though is that she originally was was going to be Black as- Widow. Yeah, and then she ended up doing—I forgot what movie she ended up doing—that went over, and she couldn't do it. Um, not and not something that was successful though. It wasn't successful. It flopped. Uh, whatever the movie is, gonna Mary be Poppins. <laughs> no, no, that was successful. I think it was like Gulliver's Travel or something, something like that. Instead oh of my doing, god! Uh, Imagine looking back and being like, "Yeah, I could have been in the Avengers and like eleven movies, or I could have done yeah. Gulliver's Travels with Gulliver's Jack Black." Black. <laughs> yeah. So, so she's like, so I'm not. Yeah, I like Emily Blunt. I think she's a great actress. But part of me thinks there's like bitterness. Like, oh, I should have. Why didn't I just take that part? And I'm sure Scarlett yeah. Johansson is like, I'm so glad that didn't work out. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, she. I just saw she's the highest paid actress in Hollywood, isn't she? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, which I think is, she made like one hundred and seventy million dollars or something last year, and and like you know, Scar Johansson, Scar Johansson leveled that with like being a part of that universe and then being a successful actress and then turning that into you know getting like producing credit because that pays a lot of money as well when you're producing projects like this. And now she's even though her and Disney had that spat um, uh, when Black Widow came out, they kissed and made up, and she's working on like. The Tower of Terror with them. She's she's producing that. Yeah. Uh, she's she's like so. She, uh, I think she, a lot of actresses have learned to like in order to be successful in this business, like the men, they have to be in charge as well. And her and like Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, they are like examples of actresses that go above and beyond to produce their own projects because they want to be able to have some say, have some control, and actually earn roles that are like are good for them they don't want to like just but take when those things out. happen too they become critically acclaimed <laughs> i mean big little lies was um amazing like and yeah, that was, was basically reese witherspoon's image or, or her her the picture in her head of what she wanted to do and i thought it was second season i thought meryl streep was gonna kill it 
not my it wasn't as good as the first season, but I, I think that um, when you have the ability to have that control and do get to sit behind the chair and say, no, this is exactly how I want to make it. I mean, they're going to be successful, especially when you have these projects that um, you uh, you have a very specific vision for. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because there used to be such a stigma behind like movie stars doing like TV shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But now that like limited series have become so like prestige and they basically have like the, the budgets and scripts of like a major motion picture, like. Now yeah. you see people like now you see people like them like I'm down to do a limited series, you know. It's a yeah. lot of actors like a lot of actors that do movies don't want to do like TV shows because it is a longer commitment. But like a limited mm-hmm. series that's only like ten episodes. Well, series is, like, is, is what probably, like uh, yeah. So you you probably film for what like a year maybe or yeah, that, yeah. like seven months or something. And so then after that, like still got a lot of things coming out. You're not just popular for like whatever it is a month, you're popular for however long the show is kind of continuing. So instead of having like a movie where it's like, Hey, it came out, everyone saw it. You did great. It's like this series, a new episode's coming out week and now we have a season two. So people are still talking about your project. Right. So the, the Dr. Strange leak um, cause they are screening, they're screening the movie now. Like a lot of press are going to it. I did get invited to a press screen. I decided I didn't want to see it with press people. Cause that seems like a kind of movie that's more, more fun to see, like with an audience. And like, we are going to get it. some cheers. You're going to get some cheers. Yeah. And we talked about it earlier today that we were going to go see it this week. So yeah. I'm so, like, ex- like, I'm so excited. I was just talking to my brother and he's, he's going to see it this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited to see it too. And like, honestly, like I love I love what I do, but like press screenings are not as fun as like a regular screening because everyone is still trying to be like very serious. Like when I, I saw like say, it, sounds, it sounds a little like everyone's there and they're like, oh, I'm gonna critique this movie or I'm gonna like it does it doesn't sound fun. It just I mean it's work, you know. Yeah, like like the second time I saw Scream with my brother on uh, the opening night, it was like three days after I saw that press screening and like. <laughs> it was more fun on opening night because everyone was just so into it. And like the press people we went with, they liked it, but I don't know why they feel like they have it's to not be the like, same. <laughs> not the same. So yeah. So I'm very, but I, you know, there's, I've been to a lot of screenings for Dr. Strange. They were going to try to hold screenings as long as they could from happening. Cause they knew that there could be leaks, but then there's, this is exactly leaks. what they were afraid of. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so the, the leaks that I saw, the leaks that I saw were literally people taking pictures in the movie theater, which is like, theater, yeah. uh, very findable offense so uh, if you if anyone out there listening did that don't post on instagram you could get fined like whatever it is 100 grand and yeah and like by the way i mean i don't i don't see the point of doing something like that like why ruin that experience for everyone else like what do you yeah. get from being like like oh i'm gonna put this out there unless you want to be the one that's like i was the first one to do it but like it's yeah. s- such a weird stupid thing to do uh, and it sucks but- too because with dr strange like the secrets that they could have had, like anything was pretty much on the table. So it's like anything that was able to be leaked, it would have been a surprise to anyone. Whereas with this most recent Spider-Man one, we all kind of knew what the big surprise was going to be was that they were going to have all three Spider-Man. So it's like, we we, we were just excited to see that. But for this leak, it's like, gosh, anything could have happened. And now that it happens, it's like, all right, well, what else am I going to be surprised about? Obviously there's going to be some cool stuff in there that it's going to surprise us, but I don't know. John Krasinski as Reed Richards, he's not nerdy enough. Like, let's just say early office days, John Krasinski, where he had like the sort of a mop head haircut and not like sort of buff, ripped, clean cut John Krasinski. Like that just doesn't 
really fit the Reed Richards um, profile, I think. I, I honestly really liked the character who played him in the first Fantastic Four. Um, See, yeah, exactly. Yeah, his name is like, uh, oh God, I always blank on his name. It starts with an I. He's a British actor. Uh, yeah. I like I like the, I, I was talking about this with someone, I think, who was it? Was it you? About the whole like 2005 Fantastic Four versus the 2015. Yeah. The Miles Teller one where it's like, okay, at the 2005 Fantastic Four, everyone was like, all right, it made money. It's not that good, but it made it money. It was like a C plus. The <laughs> other one was like a D minus. Yeah. So like, I was always thinking after the 2015 one, because it sounded good on paper because the cast was good. Mm-hmm. The director was, co- the director's coming off a of Chronicle, which was a surprisingly good movie and critics liked it. And then after it was over, I was like, did you even know that when you saw this in 2015 that you would be thanking God for the 2005 Fantastic Four? Like, that is the back and watch, like, <laughs> it, Yeah, it, it makes you realize, like, wait, this actually might be a good movie. It's not. Yeah. But compared, yeah, compared to the other one, it is. Yeah. And this is how bad the 2015 one is. Like, Rise of the Silver Surfer is better. And that's a bad movie, too. Like, it's, it's not good at all. Well, um, I, I really think that they just cut that they cut the movie to shit because I mean, Dr. Doom, I, I will say the last scene of that 2015 one is pretty sweet. Like when he's escaping no. the hospital or the, or something like I wish that there was like 45 minutes of that, but instead you yeah. get it. It's the last like six minutes and you're like, well, yeah. why did I sit through all that movie for this? Like, that, that's what you were ex- expecting to happen in a Fantastic Four movie, but it was just like all build up and no climax. Yeah, and like it's a, it's actually an abrupt jump to the climax. It's like one thing's happening, yeah. and then all of a sudden the movie's almost over. <laughs> You're just like, where, what, yeah. what, what, what? Twenty minutes did you cut? <laughs> that's like clearly yeah. missing from like the yeah, whole so storyline that we missed. Yeah, it's a train wreck. Um, you know, the cool thing is is that the Fantastic Four is now. It's just Disney and Fox merge. It is in the MCU and they are making another movie. And John Watts was supposed to direct it. John Watts directed uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home and No Way Home. Um, he seemed like a really good choice to do it. Um, but on Friday, he stepped down for, from directing it. He needs a break. Yeah, I think everyone was looking for doom and gloom. Like, oh, what happened behind the scenes? But he, they basically said that he has worked on these three Spider-Man movies for the better part of a decade. He was coming from like an independent movie career to now making these three massive movies with the last one huge being the budgets, most massive. Huge cast, huge yeah. staff, like just an unbelievable amount of um, responsibility. And uh, like you're the guy who's making all the choices. So it's like he probably just needs a fucking break. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, that's, and that's what they said. It was a mutual. Now, it was supposed to be the next movie he was going to direct. He is doing other projects, but I think it's just the scale that he kind of was like, I've done three movies like this i he needed a breather from like the comic book world which is fair because if you can't give it uh 100 it's kind of yeah. admirable to like st- step down and be like hey i don't think i can do this i don't think um, I, yeah i'm the right guy also um, i mean kudos were, to him man to, to be able to say no i'm not going to direct the new, the new marvel movie like kudos to anyone who's in that position <laughs> i mean he's obviously yeah, made I mean, it where you, I, you're saying sh- no to the next big thing yeah because i'm sure based on like his success with Spider-Man that he would have had some kind of great deal to direct Fantastic Four. There would probably be options for like sequels and they're like, that's a big payday. I'm sure that he has oh my now God. turned down as down turned down. But like, you know, if you really feel like you can't 
you have a project like, especially I think with Fantastic Four, fans are already so worried because there you hasn't been a good a third time. Yeah. You cannot. Okay, there, exactly. So there's like, it hasn't really been done well yet. And there's a lot of pressure to make it good. And not saying that he wouldn't be successful. I did see some people on Instagram that was like, I'm glad he's stepping down because like, they feel like he's kind of a safe choice. He doesn't really have like a directing style that really sticks out. And I, and I, mm. I don't know if that's like true or not. I mean, I think what he did with those three Spider-Man movies uh, was fantastic. I think he he oh yeah, especially especially coming from like an independent movie career, like to kind of jump into something that's that of that scale from like smaller movies is no easy feat. I mean, I know I know a lot of like independent directors they do kind of go on and make big budget movies, um, yeah, because they have they have the kind of sensibilities to kind of do that. Cause they have like usually when you're an independent filmmaker, you do have like a big vision, but you have to kind of scale it back because your budget's so small. Don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And like, so independent filmmakers can make big budget movies because they do have all the ideas. They just don't have like the resources to kind of make bigger movies. And that's why Mm -hmm. they end up being, they end up being like great choices for stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know who they can get next. Uh, uh, What my, uh, my, my guy, Dave, who I used to work with at real, real talk. He commented when I put the story on G reels that, they should get Brad Bird to direct it because he directed uh, Ooh, The Incredibles, and yeah. like the and The Incredibles, you know, it's probably the best Fantastic Four movie we've gotten without being an Seriously. official Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, <laughs> without being an official movie, and I think he'd be really good at it. I I can't think of anyone else that would jump into it. But yeah, that is a gosh, good choice. Has he has he done? Uh, he's mostly done animated stuff. Has he done a- like a? Um, yeah, I, I wonder if he would actually translate to live action and stuff um but i mean he's basically got the track record like that's a perfect resume to put on the board um to to be the director of it yeah so yeah he's mostly i think it's all uh oh he did tomorrowland he really wrote tomorrowland uh but yeah it's all been like the george clooney the george clooney one that was actually kind of a flop yeah 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 but yeah it's mostly been animated like uh iron giant incredibles ratatouille yeah he's the end i mean i I'm not doubting. Well, I mean, could, look at that could, resume yeah. right there. I mean, those are some powerhouse animated films. Yeah, and like I think I think he'd be really good at it. I think I think what's the main issue with Fantastic Four that a lot of people have found. I mean, the people who have made the last three that we've gotten. I think it's hard to find the balance on like what tone that movie should be because it is yeah. about like a family of superheroes. So is it supposed to be lighter? and kind of fun and carefree or is it like what a lot of people want dark and serious dark and serious and i think that they've all found a hard time finding that balance like the 2005 and rise of silver surfer are a little silly and then the 2015 one attempted to be more serious um and i just think that that tone is hard because it's not like i don't think those characters are necessarily built for like a dark and moody story even though Doctor Doom can be like in the comic books a very dark and moody villain, so I mean, like, I yes. guess you you could, but I yeah, I just think that tone is hard to get right, and whoever takes it on, that's going to be the biggest uh, obstacle they kind of have to face. It's such a it's such a hard thing because like no matter which way they decide to go, it's going to be criticized, and it's going to be basically put on a parallel with these other two. And is it as good as it? Is it better? Um, I mean, there's a chance that you could make a home run and then have whatever it is, a bunch of movies, because there's a lot of different villains in that comic book series that you can explore. But yep. 
God, it's just I think that it's hard. What well, maybe one of the reasons that it's hard is because, like, with the Avengers, which we're going to talk about here pretty soon, like that was a culmination of a bunch of different movies that kind of came into one, and to start off, I mean, it was kind of like X Men, like we were just saying. It's like to start off a franchise with four main characters. I think is a little tough because you have to try and get them to know you, you. You have to get to know every single one of them. I think in the first one they might have focused a little bit too much on the thing and not a little, not enough on maybe some of the other characters. They made um, the Human Torch look like an absolute douchebag. Chris Evans, well done, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> but like uh, it's just. I think each character is so different that it's kind of hard to focus on any of them at all. So right. uh, it's just it's just a tough feat to really to really explore, right? Because sometimes when you get it right, you get it right. Because like Guardians of the Galaxy, there are a lot of characters, but they got exactly. it right. Uh, but then yeah. you get something like and you get something the like they, they took they right. took the lighthearted fun approach, and I think that that right. could be a, another good thing that Fantastic Four could do. I think you got to keep it right. in that lane. Right, but then when you get it wrong, like Eternals, when there's too many people, way too many people, and you're like, I don't know who you're going I'm not supposed. Why should I that? Like, why don't I even remember your character's name after the movie's over and I just watched it? Like, that's yeah. how, like, you know, it, it can be hard doing, like, a group movie like that. You're right. I think that is the, the tough part when you're doing a movie that introduces a bunch of main characters that, and yeah. you want to kind of give them all an equal chance to kind of have their moment. And sometimes that but just if you focus on all of them, sometimes you don't focus on any of them at the same time. You don't give them enough of the, of the limelight. Right. You end up being like Halle Berry and X-Men, just there. <laughs> you're just, you're yeah, just there. Just there. <laughs> With little, her eyes rolling back and she's like, it's, and then she's like, it's windy now. I'm like, oh gosh. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use your powers for something cool. Don't just like make it cloudy. <laughs> yeah, she, that's true. And then like, you know, because it's funny because she does have moments that are like badass in the movies when they actually let her like, just don't talk, just do your shit. Um, yeah. Like the scene, the scene in the second one where she creates all the tornadoes to get rid of the fighter jets. That was yeah. cool, and then That's the scene at the train, <laughs> yeah, the scene at the train station where like Sabretooth is choking her, and then she just like sends down like a bolt of lightning, and he just like flies out uh, the window. That's cool, but yeah. when she did that that ridiculous line when she's like, "Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning?" and then she says the same thing that the happens to everything else, <laughs> and I was like, "Who wrote that for her?" Yeah. And like. <laughs> I was like, who wrote that for how her? She not go back to the, how did she not go back to the director and be like, this line is terrible. This, this is, is awful. Horrible. <laughs> I am not the, the best the best the best thing she did though from like the first movie to the second was she got rid of her accent. She was like, they're not gonna notice. Oh my god. She got rid of it half, she got rid of it halfway through the first movie. <laughs> they're, they're not gonna notice it at all. Yeah. And like and yeah, that was hilarious. Um but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'll, we'll be looking out on who kind of takes on directing duties on Fantastic Four. I think that from what they said, the script's not even written yet, so they have like a lot of time. And I know that Kevin yeah. Feige at uh, CinemaCon last week, he said that they have this retreat that they go on where they like, map out the Marvel movies. So he just went on a retreat where they are mapping out like the next 10 years of the MCU. So there's a lot uh, coming. <laughs> oh, to be employed by Marvel. Uh, yeah, it all to be I, yeah, I, I good for him. I mean, at least he knows what he's doing. You know, we talk about that with like DC and stuff, and like how they need a leader to kind of like, yeah, uh, watch watch over all these projects. And Kevin Feige is really good at watching over all the projects, hiring the right people, not really being like, 
uh, basically like he's not getting in their way and getting into their creative freedom. Like he is involved as a producer because he it's the money, but like he gives them their space to kind of uh, do their thing. He doesn't micromanage them. And like, that is also important too. Like he's, he's yeah. trusting that like I, I picked the right people and uh, I'm going to let, them, there's a reason why we hire them. So like, I'm going to mm-hmm. let them do their thing. And that's, that, I think you need that. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that they, I'm not going to lie. I, I've been watching a little bit of Moon Knight and it's not really my favorite. I think that they've slipped a little bit in terms of their series. Their movies are still going to be the best out there for superheroes, but I I just don't really – I mean I didn't even watch Hawkeye. Like it didn't even really like <laughs> hit a nerve for me where I was like, I can't yeah. wait to watch this. Like, no justice for that Hawkeye, dude. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that they – I feel like they came out with their best version first. When WandaVision came out, that one was amazing. Captain uh, um, America and the Winter Soldier, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was less good. And then Loki was like a little bit better than that, but not as good as WandaVision. And then ever since then, they've just like kind of been a little bit more on a decline. I did think What If was really good, which obviously we're going to yeah. see some of that within the Doctor Strange stuff. But strange. Yeah. It, there's at a point like there's a little bit too much and I, I don't have hours and hours and hours of free time to continuously and continuously just watch all this marvel shit so hopefully yeah. the next 10 the next 10 years doesn't mean 90 movies a little bit more spread out and that's true and like I, they were talking about on twitter they were like there are a few people that are like what do i need to watch before you know yeah. multiverse of madness and they're like oh, everyone's gonna be different lists but like you know dr everything. strange one and basically <laughs> everything and like once it's completely everything but it's like at a certain point it's like can i just like watch the movie and not have to like backtrack through like six yeah, different I don't want like, before <laughs> I get into the theater yeah it's like kind of get caught up on everything uh mm-hmm. or like or you just need one friend to give you like a cliff nose version and like all right i got it yeah <laughs> like <laughs> that's much. cool um but yeah, I can see what you're saying. There, there's a lot going on at Marvel, and like, and I still mm-hmm. think, with the exception of Eternals, which like was their first like rotten as far as reviews uh, yeah. movie that they've done, um, it's been a well-oiled machine. Even though there's a lot going on, but I do I can kind of see what yeah. you're saying that there's like there is too much at a certain point, especially when you have like TV shows and the movies, and it's cool that they connect the TV shows to the movies, but then you feel like you're obligated to like, wait, do I have to watch that one episode of? WandaVision to get this or can I just it's go like in blind? <laughs> yeah, it's like they're oversaturating their own market. Yeah. Yeah, it's um yeah, but I guess they kind of feel like they they uh haven't gone wrong yet. And uh, even with Eternals, like when they talk about that, it's always piggybacked off, well, it made over four hundred million dollars worldwide. Like you know, it's kinda of like it's still like yeah. was successful. <laughs> uh so even with like a poorly reviewed one, they can find a way to be like it was a winner. Um I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, just it just was less exciting than some of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. And on rewatch, I didn't think it was as bad as I originally. Like in the theater, I was like, "This is not good." And I watched it again. Yeah. And I was like, "All right, it's still not the greatest, but it." And then I can. And I was like, "Okay." At this time, I kind of remembered who people were because, <laughs> like, when I left the theater yeah. that fir- that first time, I was like, like, "What did I just watch?" Who, like, who did they play? And like, did Angelina Jolie even have lines? I couldn't even remember after like what was going on there. Barely. Uh, Barely, but yeah, barely. You 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 get someone like Angelina Jolie to be in your movie and don't give her much to say or do. Um, yeah, that still baffles me. Ridiculous. Yep, but um, uh, moving on to stuff that's not that well oiled. Uh, 
even though it's all about family. <laughs> it seems like the uh, the Best Fast and the Furious. There we go. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, the Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, definitely, there are some cracks. Oh, they've been cracks showing for a while, but like they're becoming they're becoming more obvious to like other people who maybe didn't know about the behind the scenes stuff. So yeah. we talked about last week that Justin Lin left uh, as a director six days into production. <laughs> um, the the original like statement was like, "Oh, it's all friendly. It's creative differences, but I wish them the best, and I'm so excited to have been a part of this franchise." Which could very well be true. That that sentiment could be true, but we all knew that there was like more to it than something that. happened uh, yeah something happened so I, w- I do want to start and say they did find a new director his name is lewis uh latier i want to make sure i got that right um he directed the incredible hulk and now you see me um the, the original story when i read that he was picked as a new director was that they were basically trying to find someone that would be like a yes man to like vin diesel because mm. even though vin diesel is the star and not directing it He's a producer and he has a lot to say. And it seems like him having a lot to say is a lot of is what went wrong with Justin Lin. Basically, there was he thought Justin Lin thought that he had like the scripts locked down. Um, he's ready to kind of get this thing started. And like, you know, we talk about movies of this scope all the time that are like when they're this huge, there's a lot of moving parts. And like when you think you have everything ready, you like it sucks to have to change things. So yeah. then you have some you have someone like Vin Diesel. I guess the script was constantly changing, even though he thought that they kind of had it locked down. Um, and Vin Diesel and Universal apparently didn't feel the same way. And I guess there was one meeting like a, a couple of days before he quit, where Vin Diesel had notes about what was going on, uh, kind of like where the story was going. And Justin mm-hmm. Lin was like, apparently had enough. And he stormed out, slammed the door, and said, "This movie is not worth my mental health," and left. And wow. Universal, and then Universal, Universal said in a statement today because they didn't get a comment from Justin Lin or Vin Diesel, but Universal said um, the creative differences were between the studio and no star or producer on the film. That's not true. That's just spin. No, that's to, just that fluff. That's been to protect Vin Diesel. Like, yeah. Um. And it just kind of confirms what a lot of people have said. I mean, there was another report um, from the Daily News that said that another issue is that Diesel shows up late to set. He doesn't know his lines and he shows up out of shape. It seems like a, just a last dig. <laughs> just to like yeah, say they're just like, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I've, I've heard that he's consistently late and unprofessional. And that's why The Rock was so not Mad. willing to work with him. He was just like, listen, like this is our job and you're kind of taking it for granted and not treating it with the respect that you deserve. Um, I don't know. I, I think I've said this before. I, I just can't wait for this franchise to be over. I'm, I'm ready for Vin Diesel to kind of get off his high horse. Like, yes, it makes a lot of money. Yes. It's a cool premise. Well done. You've made it to 10 movies and you've got those, I guess it's going to be 11 now, uh, but you've got those all greenlit. Like that's very impressive, but doesn't give you the right to be an unprofessional douchebag who just kind of orders yeah. everyone around. Uh, that, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's one of those things that I'm not really surprised that there's some issues now. I mean, I feel like people like Ludacris and uh, he, he found the f- perfect cast to just kind of shut up, take the money and <laughs> and go like that, that aren't going to really complain or anything. So 
he's surrounded himself with people that he thinks is going to um, not really make a fit. And they realize, oh, this is maybe just kind of how we make these movies. We just yeah. are behind schedule yeah. because Vin is always late. He's always late. <laughs> but, yeah. but, I mean, for someone to come in and, and direct it and, and realize what they're showing up for, it's I bet the um, just really don't have a lot of patience for it. Once, once you kind of realize right. that you're like, damn. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because like, I think we brought it up before when we talked about uh, when he tried to like get Dwayne Johnson to be in the next one by like publicly, like putting a statement on Instagram. And we kind of said then like, yeah, the rest of the actors haven't really said anything about him. Um, like Jordana Brewster, Michelle Rodriguez. And we all were, back then we were like, we probably know where their bread's buttered and they don't want to say anything. Cause they're like, Hey, this it's a big franchise. We're making a lot of money. And then I was thinking about like the bigger names, like Charlie Theron, but I guess maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't do something. Maybe he doesn't do something like that there. Or like, yeah. maybe he kind of knows who he can kind of like, you know, Helen Mirren's in these movies and she's, she's said nothing but nice things about him. So I, it might just be like certain people, certain circumstances. Or maybe uh, they're only on set for like a certain short period of time. And then he's on his best behavior when Helen Mirren shows up. But then when it kind of goes back to the regular, he's like, yeah, well, I'm the boss and I can kind of do what I want. Now that the, the star we brought in is gone. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, that could be it. And, and I, and I kind of, you know, they were talking about the constantly changing script. I mean, we talked about it last week that he publicly said he was upset because the original draft didn't have Mia in it. It didn't have Jordana Brewster. And he, I guess, kind of threw a fit and was like, yeah, she needs to be in this. And, and we brought this up before, like, it's hard to make sense of her being there because you have to be like, why is she, where's Brian? Like, Brian's not going to let his, like, yeah. wife go why, on adventures like bounce? this alone. <laughs> yeah, she can't yeah. go on an adventure. Like, even though I, I was happy to have her back in Fast 9, and she definitely had a lot to do. She's in, like, one of the, the one of the best scenes is her fight scene with Michelle Rodriguez when they're just, like, kicking all these dudes' ass. Like, this, it was cool to have her back, but it was hard to, like, yeah. suspend disbelief and be like, well, why is Brian letting her go? She's a she's a mother as well, right? They, they have a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, like, why... put herself in this situation. Yeah, like Brian can like retire, but like she could go off and like help because she's. I like, got this, honey. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there was some like there was some like throwaway line where they were like, "Are you sure like you want to be here?" And, and she was kind of like, "Brian knows I need to be here," like that kind of thing. And like that's just not enough. Like, cause he wouldn't let you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. So I think so. I think that's the main issue is that like, even though you know, he's probably like, oh, like, well, she's family. She should be here. I would be frustrated too if I was working on like a script like this for something this big and someone who is a producer, I get it. He has like a lot of financial say and a lot of saying how it goes, but like it's constantly telling you, no, change this. No, change this. I don't like this. Change this. There's no consistency. Right. And and I'm sure that this isn't, apparently Justin Lin's decision was like months in the making. Like this didn't just happen. Like he had been dealing with uh, these issues with the production for a while, and, uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of it having a lot of it having to do with uh, Vin Diesel. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. it came out of nowhere. I mean, I think oh, Universal yeah. knew that Universal knew that they were gonna have to uh, do something, um, or they were just kind of hoping that everyone would like kiss and make up and get along, and that's not what happened. Yeah. So now they have, so now so now they have a new director who's willing to. I guess do whatever Vin Diesel wants. Cause <laughs> when they were saying like we have to find like uh, someone who uh, who's like available, like who like because they said there were several candidates, and I bet like the criteria was like, all right, are you cool with just being a director and name only, and then just 
Yeah, and someone else the camera and the shot. shut the fuck up. That's all you do. Yeah. <laughs> but someone else is calling the shot. So, like, they need someone like that. And I guess they found him. Uh, you know, I think when this franchise is over, Vin Diesel is going to find it really hard to not find work, but at least find people that are willing to work with him. Because, like, oh, these yeah. stories... Because these stories follow you, and he's he's gotten very lucky with the Fast franchise because it is his franchise. But once that's over, once that's over, and you have to focus on something else, I think that's why he always like kind of piggybacks and works on like his old franchises. Like he wants to do another Riddick, and he wants to do another Triple X. Triple X. Yeah, because he has like control over those, and and I think that like a part of me thinks this is kind of like crisis he's going through. Is like fuck, this is almost over. I'm not, gonna sad, have, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna have. I'm not gonna have any say in this stuff anymore, and that you know. Or he's like, no one's gonna hire me. I need at least a job for something. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like when you have a rep for being a diva, <laughs> um, unfortunately, I mean, ask anyone, ask Edward Norton. I mean, he's kind of good now, but like he had a rep too for like being hard to work with. Like he would call it passionate. Other people would say that he was difficult to work with. And yeah. Val Val Kilmer back in the day had that same thing where it's like. He would say he was passionate, and they would say, like, no, he was difficult to work with. Um, but and the that thing definitely is, too, I, mean, I, I would say at least at least Edward Norton has the ability to back it up. I mean, his performances are immaculate. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah, Vin Diesel being <laughs> diva, he's not a good – like, he's not really a great actor. So it's, it's right. like if, if you're going to be a diva, you actually have to put the work in, and, like, your performance has got to show on screen. But um, his has not. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see how this kind of goes. I mean, they found that – you. Actually, what was interesting is that they were losing, they said, $600,000 to a million dollars a day until they found his replacement. Oh, my and, God. And they and they said the budget the budget is, like, actually ballooning up to, like, almost $300 million. And that is insane wow. because of, like, all the waiting. And then, and then the more you wait, you have people like Brie Larson, who's going to be in this. You have Charlie Saren. You have Jason Momoa. These are people who are part of other franchises. So, like, you can't really wait yeah. too long either. Because they also have other shit to do, <laughs> so yeah. like you they have, have jobs, it has, they have work, yeah, to do. right. So you have to, and you, and they don't want to change the release date, so you have to like figure it all out quick, which is why they scrambled. One, they were going to lose money, and then two, they're like, no, we want to make that release date. If we push it back, especially after they had to push back the ninth one when like COVID and all that stuff going on, like they already well, dealt and with they're that. doing two, and they're doing two yeah. of them. So it's like you yeah. gotta have you gotta have some consistency in in when you're going to release them. Yeah. Um, uh, I wanted to talk about two things. This one isn't really big. Uh, they're both trailers, but I wanted to kind of throw it out there that they did premiere the trailer for uh these these both having at CinemaCon. Uh, they for the second Avatar movie, we'll get to see it for the first time ahead of Doctor Strange, and then it will release online after Doctor Strange opens. Some people actually did leak that trailer to you. I chose to not look at that. Uh, I'm gonna wait. It's funny. I was, actually gonna... trying to, I was trying to find it, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not exactly thrilled for it, but I do want to kind of put it out there that it is going to be ahead of Doctor Strange, and some people are highly anticipating it because it's been like the first one came out in 2009, and they've been talking Gosh, about making sequels. So crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's and they've crazy. been talking, and they've been talking about sequels ever since then. Uh, and now we're getting like I think we're gonna get three, four, and five after that. Like he's like really just his whole career now is just Avatar. Yeah, uh, that's all he's doing. James do Cameron. Uh, so we'll be able to check that out ahead of Doctor Strange and see if it's gonna be worth uh, our time. I know a lot of people want to see it. I know that some people that saw it at CinemaCon said it was 
visually stunning and that that stuff doesn't surprise me but i also want to know if it's going to have like an interesting story because i didn't think the story for the first one was all that groundbreaking or interesting it was just kind the story of for the first one was dances with wolves but with blue yeah, people with blue people yeah and and, and but they kind of like they kind of distracted you with like ooh, it's pretty like so like so yeah. you really focus on the story look here's um, a floating mountain oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the, another trailer they premiered at cinemacon was uh don't worry darling it's uh olivia wilde's the second movie that she's directing after her book smart um, which was like she she got a lot of raves for that movie when it came out um, as a first time director. Um, the trailer actually premiered online today, and uh, it stars Harry Styles, Florence Pugh. I was getting her last name wrong, but the girl from a uh, she was in Black Widow, just Florence and, Pugh, uh, Midsommar, and a few other movies. And uh, um, she hold on one second. So there, yeah, okay. you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, yeah, so, like, she, uh, and then it has Jimma Chan, she was in The Eternals, and Crazy Rich Asians, and, uh, the trailer looks really good, the movie looks, really. it looks like a trippy, like, Pleasantville, like, meets Stepford mm. Wives, kind of weird, kind of, like, nice. okay. uh, they, they go to, like, this couple goes to this, like, retreat, basically, it's a comedy, like, a couple's retreat, and everyone, and Chris Pine is in charge of it, and everyone looks like, it, everything that's supposed to appear to look perfect, like, this is where these couples are, like, kind of learning to love and accept each other and like uh Florence's character kind of realized something is not quite right and it looks like a really trippy kind of surreal like dark like mystery thriller with some like kind of weird sci-fi elements in it nice. it seems like a really really cool big project for Olivia Wilde to kind of take on after something that I mean Booksmart was like a relatively smaller movie compared to yeah it's not like the, it's not like the scope of this is huge but it seems like a much bigger undertaking than uh she took on with Booksmart um, yeah, it's not necessarily as much of an indie film as it as her first, right? And you know, uh, Harry Styles has done. He was in Dunkirk, and I was watching this trailer, and I was like, every time, I'm like, is he good? But he was good in the trailer. Like, I, he seems like he has a natural like ability to act. So that I mean, and of course, they <clears throat> uh, he, she directed the movie. Her and Harry Styles met on that movie. They're dating now. Um, yep, so. <laughs> it, uh, his wife is now divorced from Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, and like the really—I mean, this isn't funny because I'm sure this was embarrassing. But when she was she presenting that CinemaCon, yeah, yeah, she was presenting the footage, and then like a process server just handed her like a folder that said personal and confidential. She didn't know what it was. She opened it on stage, yeah. played it cool. They were like uh, custody papers. She played it cool. Yeah. She didn't show like she was pissed off. She was kind of like, I bet when she got on stage, though, she got on her phone. She's like, "What the fuck are you talking doing?" <laughs> uh, he yeah, he, he, came out with, he came out with a statement that I mean, it wasn't his choice. He basically hired the um, servers, but it wasn't up to him when it happened. I mean, honestly, like that's genius on the person who served her the papers part. Like, she probably has a very private life. Like, she's not always out in the public like you have to figure out like where to see her and find her um but i i did i, I was reading something too that i mean she's they've been separated for over a year now i think it is and yeah. like um she obviously has to sign those papers and, and do some stuff with custody but I, from what i was reading is that she was probably holding out because it has to do with where she's living and that's going to determine how much she's going to be able to see her kids like something i think right. the article mentioned like being in london and trying to relocate there and having an actual residence there that might mean she has a better chance of getting to see her kids more often i, I don't know what it is but obviously i i hope that they don't hate each other because i both 
I love both, <laughs> I like both of them. Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde. I actually thought that they were one of the best Hollywood couples out there. Um, they seemed like they were great, but she left for um, the newer, shinier toy. <laughs> so, <laughs> she did. She did. I think that yeah. It's just interesting to see. But I yeah, know. I we'll do want to. I want to believe that he didn't know she'd be served there. But on the other hand, I thought when I first read it, I was like, that is so savage to like, while she's presenting like her passion project, you have her served with like custody papers on stage. He said that he had no idea that she'd be served at CinemaCon, but they co-parent. So he has to know where she would be on that particular day, right? Like, hey, I'm going to be in Vegas. Now uh, I'm going to be in Vegas at CinemaCon. And this is the time they're going to present He's texting this. <laughs> he's like, yeah, so like, I, know, I know exactly where she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to believe that he's not that petty. But you're also right. Like, when you serve someone and it's hard to, like, find them where they're, like, find where they're at, especially when if someone like an actor who's, like, always all over the place, it's kind of hard to serve them with papers. Or has, but, like, bodyguards or constantly around people. Right. And they kind of, they also put in the question, like, how in the hell did because this person that served her had like the credentials to be at CinemaCon. So they, they were, it was like they were pressed and then they like, that's and they got in and everyone was like, what's up with the security at CinemaCon that this person had like proper credentials. Who's not a press person was able to get on stage. A long (laughs) long game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, this was definitely planned. Yeah. And like, I didn't want to be mean because I I know it's probably embarrassing, but at the same time, I was like, that is such a savage thing to do to someone. (laughs) Just like what during her big moment. Um, I know, but if there's, but you know, if any consolation, like a lot of people saw the trailer today, thought the movie looked great. And it's actually one of the most anticipated movies of the year. That's because she hit a home run with book smart and everyone kind of wants to see what she does with this. It's a completely different genre. And kind of, if it's good, it'll show her versatility as a filmmaker too, which will be like yeah. really cool to see. And uh, that movie comes out on September 23rd of this year. So we have a few months until it nice. comes out. Nice, I'm excited for that. That's going to be it great. Looks, um, this last thing, we don't have to spend too much time on it uh, just because, you know, we're, it'll be about superheroes and we're transitioning into a movie about superheroes. Um, but it kind of goes into what we've been talking to about what's going on with like, Warner Brothers and their stuff with their shows mm-hmm. and kind of everything being in flux. They canceled Batwoman after three seasons on the CW. And then they canceled more surprisingly legends of tomorrow after seven seasons on the CW. Mm-hmm. Um, Deadline said that when it came down to like the renewals, but for the, the Arrowverse shows or the DC shows, uh, legends of tomorrow, Batwoman, uh, Naomi, and there's another one called Gotham Knights, which is not on the schedule yet, but it they were shooting a pilot, and the CW is, like, really high on it. And they mm. said that of the four, only two DC shows were going to make it to next season. A lot of people a lot of people assumed it would be Batwoman, because, like, there's been a lot of drama with Batwoman since it started. Like, you know, it started with Ruby Rose in season one. She famously left because of, originally they said it was creative differences, but then she revealed that the conditions were great. She, you know, she broke her back on set. They worked her like to like to the bone basically. She was trying to say that the working conditions on that show weren't good. And then they fired wow. back at her. Saying, they fired back at her saying that she was like a diva and like how did she not know taking on like a lead on a show like this would be so much responsibility. There was all this like back and forth. You know, they replaced her with another actress for the last two seasons, but the ratings were never great. And I think like 
there were so many issues on that show that it made it easy to get rid of that one. Yeah, um, that's a no-brainer Le- kind of. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow is a more surprising one um, because it's always been like the little engine that could of the Arrowverse shows. Like it does, it doesn't get the same push as like the like Arrow did or the Flash does. Mm-hmm. But it has always been like TV critics have always said that of the shows, it's probably one of the better ones because it fully embraces its like comic book absurdity. There's like time travel. There's like a bunch of stuff on it that make it like a fun and interesting show. And it had like a very devoted fan base. Um, I, I at least thought they were going to renew it for a final season to give cl- fans closure, but they ended it on the cliffhanger and then they canceled it, which mm, seems like a really, wow. sh- which seems like a really shitty thing to do for a show that's been on your network for seven years, seven years. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a long time for them to just kind of pull the plug. Yeah. And like, um, some people think that, they tried to force the CW's hand by ending it on the cliffhanger. So they'd be like, mm. oh, well, now, we, now we have to renew it. <laughs> but that's not but they're like, what nope, happened. Sorry. Yeah, and like, there's a lot going on with the CW. There's a potential sell of the CW um, that's happening right now. And that's why it's harder for them to determine which shows they want to renew. Because there's all these like extra deals with like, oh, you know, this show is going to go to HBO Max and this one's going to go to Netflix. This one's going to go to Hulu. There's like all these like separate deals going on uh, wow. with those shows that makes it kind of hard to just like when they don't know what their future is. Basically, like the the sale isn't final and like it's still up in the air. I think that has a lot to do with like why they did cancel these two shows. Um, but I know if I as a I watch um, I didn't watch Batwoman. Batwoman was never really that good, um, but Legends of Tomorrow was good, and it does suck as a fan. Like, like you spent all that time invested in a show like that, and then now it's you just ended done. Up, yeah, you could have easily renewed it for like a final like eight episodes and let them wrap up storylines. Um, yeah, just kind of like give them some closure. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind of like the end of the era. Basically, there are only two Arrowverse shows left. There's only The Flash and Superman and Lois, and I think The Flash is probably done after next season. So then there will only be one. So like, what started as this like big universe of shows in the CW is kind of like. Coming to an dwindling end, dwindling down, dwindling down. Um, you know, they they were very successful on that network for so long, but then like, I th- I thought when Arrow ended that it was going to be hard to maintain what you call the Arrowverse because like the main show is gone, yeah. and even yeah. though the Flash the Flash could like step up as like the second show to be like, all right, we can carry this on, like it just didn't feel the same without like the parent show there, like the mm-hmm. one that kind of started it all. Um, and then when they, the range. it's hard to become the flagship show. Right. And then they, you know, they kind of, they cancel Supergirl and like all this. Other, so it makes it kind of That one harder. was never, I, I've, I had never really watched Supergirl, but when I saw like some clips and stuff, it just looked badly made. I don't know if, I mean, it just seemed like <laughs> the special effects were not good. Well, yeah. I mean, and I think because the CW is such a small network, uh, sometimes they do cut corners on the budget for these shows because like the yeah. effects are sometimes like very questionable and Supergirl definitely had some uh, special effects issues. And yeah. the longer that Le- Legends of Tomorrow went on, you could tell that they weren't even like, I don't think they were even Trying. giving them any more money. <laughs> they weren't yeah. even giving them money to like kind of make something uh, that was like kind of worthy of, you know, <laughs> What the, what they were, the scale they were trying to approach like you're like no this is yeah. definitely not a movie not a movie budget at all yeah so, not at all 
Yeah, but it's unfortunate. I mean, maybe they said that like the some of the characters from Legends of Tomorrow could possibly pop up in other Arrowverse shows, but there's only two left. And one of them's probably going to be gone yeah. next year. So I think that was just something they it's, said to kind of please fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming and to an end. It's unfortunate, but, um, you know, maybe they can like kind of care. Like some of the writers like have talked about maybe carry on the story in like kind of like a comic book form to kind of give some kind of like closure. Graphic to fans novel and, like, or something. Or... Graphic, graphic novel. Yeah. So like, you know. Uh, maybe it'll work out that way, but like it does suck for the cast and crew of both shows. I mean, I think being on a show that's canceled at all, uh, even if you've only been on for three seasons, has to be rough when you're like waiting for word and like what's they made them wait a long time to like kind of like, do I have a job or not? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then you have to like, I gotta, if you're an actor, you're like, I gotta start looking for my next one, let me know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> uh, I can't audition for something if I'm expected to be shooting here pretty soon, right? Um. But yeah, uh, we can uh, now transition into uh, superhero talk that was way more successful than probably any other CW shows. <laughs> or the most at successful, the, the most at the at the time. It really kind of uh, you know all of ten years ago, it kind of ca- created the new standard a, a little bit for w- what you could do with comic book movies. And then, of course, you know you get like stuff like The Dark Knight, and like that came out first. But like the, like The Dark uh, Right Rises, everything has to kind of get go bigger and bigger but like um the avengers came out on may 4th it'll be 10 years ago and you mentioned earlier that like this was like the culmination of uh you know what started in 2008 with like iron man and then we got iron man 2 oh no we got the incredible hulk after that then then iron man 2 and then thor or or, captain america and thor i think right i forgot the order but like yeah you got those and then it was this kind of like I remember when they were talking about the Avengers, it still didn't feel real. I was like, you're going to like a cast of this size, which is funny now. You're like, like how much did. is this going to cost? <laughs> right. And it was funny now because like, think about how like, I don't know how they can do this now considering what they did with like Infinity War and Endgame. Like, Endgame, I was like, all right, I guess they can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I remember at the time thinking like, it's like, there's so many people and there's so much to do. This and now it seems so small. Now it seems like a super small scale. Yeah, like you have, I mean, in the same movie, you have Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Tom Hiddleston, hell, I'll even name these people, Colby Smulders, who was in How I Met Your Mother, uh, yeah. uh, Clark, Clark Samuel Reigns, L. Samuel L. Jackson, and and then you had Joss Whedon directing it when everyone still liked Joss, Joss Whedon, <laughs> um, yep. but all the right pieces at the time to kind of make a really good uh, like at the time, it felt like a superhero mashup. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was at the time. Um, you know when it came out, um, you know the movie cost two hundred and twenty million dollars to make, and it was the first film to open over two hundred million dollars at the box office. And now that's funny. It's funny because that record has since been broken by Infinity War and then Endgame. And then Endgame. So, <laughs> so like they have it broken their own records, but you know just the amount of excitement that was surrounding the movie. Like even when you, I was seeing those like numbers at the time, it was like movies don't make $200 million on opening weekend. Like I remember it was yeah. a big deal when like, I remember it was a big deal when Spider-Man in 2002 over was the first hundred, well, it was over a hundred. And that was like a unheard of. And now you have like movies make $200 million, like by the end of their run sometimes not at like the yeah. start. So like, it was just a crazy time to kind of be like a comic book fan, like a cool, like, 
just fun time that they actually got this right. Because I want to ask you this too, because at the time we had, you had Iron Man. Incredible Hulk is not that good. It's not like it's awful, but it's not that good. Iron Man 2, Iron Man 2 is also flawed. Um, Thor, I don't think that's great either. It's not as bad. Had problems. Captain America actually gets better with multiple viewings than like the first time I watched it. But did you think based on what we got with those movies that set it up that this was going to be good? Like, especially because it like the track record at the time was like a bit uneven. Um, I think that they were literally just about to hit their stride. And so since we didn't have any sort of precedent to what these superhero movies could be, we were just happy to see them. And so we didn't, I mean, I, I think a lot of people after all these ones came out, then they went back and they were like, well, Thor wasn't really that good. Captain America has some, has some issues. Iron Man 2 could have been better. Like, but that's only after the fact of all of these other great movies that have come out. I think that um, it was the first one that um, that really just kind of set the stage for what they were able to do. And I, I really do think that my favorite part about it is that it continues to be referenced and it was used in Endgame. So it's like all of these things that they did, they revisited again and they kind of got some things, they, they a little bit made fun of themselves. They were just like, oh... Like, why, would you, why do you talk like that? Or, like, kind of making fun of their script in the original one. Um, and, yeah. like, kind of going back to, to say, hey, listen, we weren't perfect, but, like, we're going to kind of come back and revisit it, which is really cool. But um, I do think that people were super excited for this because it was what people were expecting when these movies started to come out. They were like, all right, well, if you're going to do an Iron Man and a Captain America movie – we're going to see the Avengers. Like we know that that's going to happen. So I think that that was such a well-known premise that it was kind of the first one that comic book nerds came from out of the cracks and they're like, this is what's going to happen. And then we could kind of get a sense for what, like it literally became this universe where people are like, okay, this is what's going to happen. They're going to use this story from this comic book. They're going to have this sort of ending. This is where they're going to leave us. Now we're going to have Thanos be introduced. Like all of this stuff that um, no one really even thought about when it came to a quote unquote cinematic universe. Uh, right. But it, it's just, it really just set the stage for what literally every movie studio now is trying to emulate. Copy. Every yeah. single, uh, yeah, every single studio wants to have a MCU. Um, because it makes you billions and billions of dollars. So um, yeah. I think it was, I mean, I will say I like Infinity War and Endgame. Those are probably the two Avenger, Avengers movies that I watch on the regular and consistently. The first one I don't watch very much. Ultron I've only probably seen twice. Um, but the first one is um, probably the third best Avengers movie. But it, it is what started everything. So I think it, it definitely has... Um, its place yeah it's interesting to say that it's the third best because it's like it's not like a slight at all no, it's just like no. it's just like the other two were like you know i i i, I kind of switched back and forth like i used to think it was infinity war in game but now i'm gonna say in game infinity war i think infinity, infinity war is better um yeah i yeah i go back and forth because like i even though like with infinity war like you knew those heroes were gonna come back there was this, still this kind of shock and surprise to watch them all get dusted like like yeah. people, like big like big superheroes like black panther and then like spider-man i was like oh it like 
it kind of had like the guts to kind of go there. And like some studio movies don't because they want to play it safe and like make the audience happy. Like, hey, the heroes win. Like it, it kind of goes back to like Empire Strikes Back. Like that movie wasn't afraid to be like, hey, he founds out this guy is his father. He cut off his hand. Han Solo is fro- frozen in carbonite. There's no, there's and, literally no hope left. No, yeah. There's no hope at the end of that movie. It's just like, eh. and that's and that's brave. And that was brave then. And I think that like a big budget movie like Infinity War doing that, and it's in today's day and age is also pretty ballsy because you can like potentially yeah. alienate your audience. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's the, ultimate, but yeah, the ultimate cliffhanger to get people to go back and watch the next one. Right, and I think what Avengers did really well too. Um, since it did turn out so well and it was really good, it really kind of more so than just creating that like, that cinematic universe, but it made you excited for like what they were, what was coming next. Like even the individual movies that were coming out after that, I feel like they kind of hit their stride once they did Avengers. Like things were less uneven. Like I mean, I, I would say that like like Thor: The Dark World is not that good, but then after that, it kind of like they kind of get it a lot better. Like, stepped up their game. Because you get like you, know, you get Captain, yeah, you get the Winter Soldier, which is like much better than the first uh, Captain America. Uh, Civil War is also uh, a good entry as well. I know that Age yep. of Ultron and kind of Age of Ultron, the second Avengers movie, gets a lot of shit. I like it just because the Hawkeye's in it more, and like I believe there's justice for Hawkeye. Like he needs a little more credit than he gets, um, and they actually gave him more to do. Like the one thing I don't like about the first one is. He gets like basically like hypnotized in the beginning, and he's kind of evil. He's bad for the whole movie, pretty much. And then he's and then he's gone for like a good half a good half of the movie, like a good chunk. He's just not there. And then Mm -hmm. of course they get him back. They get him back before the final battle. That was like my only thing. I was like, he's just kind of there, even though he does get the cool like jumping off the building, uh, shooting the arrow shot. Like like there's a lot of like there's a lot of cool moments in Avengers. Like people kind of make fun of it now, but that rotate that rotating shot of all of them in the during the battle, like in New York, it's like that is, it's, it's cool. <laughs> and like, you know, when you're watching in the theater, like I remember everyone like started cheering. Cause it was just like, it's just a cool, like that's all your heroes. In one place. Place. Yeah. 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 All, your heroes, all your heroes in one place. <laughs> I think there's something that, that um, Marvel has done really well too, is that there was such a high chance that as this became popular, that each of the stars was, would kind of maybe become a diva and say, Hey, listen, I need more attention. I need more of this, but I guess maybe it was just they were all on this journey together. And, I mean, Iron Man saved Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Scarlett Johansson was just kind of becoming popular again. And um, everyone loves Mark Ruffalo, but he had his moment to become into a big franchise. Chris Evans is notoriously humble. So it's like to to have this group of people that all want to just make – a good movie together and they're not like no i'm i need more lines my dialogue isn't enough like jeremy redder could have gone in and been like oh i'm bad like let's rewrite this because i don't like that storyline or, or something like that but i think that and as they've continued throughout the entire series and the and the universe like they've kind of kept that same vibe and they've all kind of continued to be this sort of quote-unquote family where they just they all just enjoy each other's company and they just want to make good movies together and i really really like that i think that's what's kept them um what's kept them afloat i think dc has some issues with that they've not had the best cast casting so it's like right they they really just hit a gold mine i don't, I don't think we'll ever see anything else ever like it again yeah that's, that's an interesting thing to say about jeremy render too because at the time like you know he's 
nominated for an Oscar, he could easily be like, I like he. I mean, I know that Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner's career is interesting because he didn't really like become like famous until much later in his life, and that, and that's kind of rare. Like John Hamm has had a serious, like a similar career where they're like in yeah. their forties. They're in their forties when they become like huge stars, famous. Um, yeah, yeah, and like Jeremy Renner, like you know, like I'm sure it might have been a little bit of a bummer for him to be like, all right, I mean, I'm, I'm missing from half the movie, but he might just be happy to be there. And there might have been, like, you know, they probably could have talked about where your character's going to go eventually. Yeah, I was going to say, that his contract was like, all right, so you're going to play this part, but you have, like, eight movies that you're going to be in here pretty soon. Right, right. And so, you know, of course, they, they expand on his, like, character in the in the second one and give him a family and, like, all that other stuff. So, like, I that's a good thing to say. I think I, there was never any that I know of, unless it's, like, buried deep out there. I've never heard There's of no any drama. with any of yeah. them. Um, I think it's cool that they all they've all admitted that they are all the original MCU people are all in a group chat together. They still actively That's talk so to cool. each other. Um, God. And, and like, you know, it's I, there's something about that whole experience, I think, that it's probably was just a happy movie to make. And you can kind of tell that on screen. Like, I know we've actually talked about, like, Joss Whedon being a problem before. But mm-hmm. the reason why I think he, the reason why I think he wasn't a problem on this is I don't think he could get away with, like, acting that way with like a Robert Downey no. Jr. or a Scarlett no. Johansson. So like he probably was even on his best behavior while yes. working on that movie. Um because like cuz people like Scarlett Johansson like in in real life are pretty vocal when something is amiss. And like I yeah. feel like she would have I feel like she would have said something like oh yeah working with him was like x y and z. And it was it was mm-hmm. awful. And none of them have talked about that experience at all. I don't think cuz it probably maybe wasn't one. Mm-hmm. and he, he knew exactly I, I really hope though I really don't want any sort of dirt to come out and be like oh well there was a tiff between so and so I really hope none of that comes out but I I also think it helps when you're getting paid tens of millions of dollars to definitely helps so um and obviously they, they knew how excited everyone was for it so they were probably like hey let's just get this right and make sure it's it's the, the right thing for fans and and we give them what they deserve yeah, and um, I thought it was cool too. I mean, like the interesting thing about having like the with Mark Ruffalo too, because you know Edward Norton was the Incredible Hulk originally in that in that movie. Again, we talked about it earlier. Famously, like difficult to work with. I he had his ideas for what, what that character was supposed to be, and he kind of like tried to go above Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige was like, "Know your role. <laughs> you can't yeah. change stuff like that." Um, so it was kind of decided that they would part ways and they all have like different ideas as to or different opinions on how the parting of the ways went. They all have like a, well, I think it went this way. And Kevin Feige is like, no, it went that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought Mark Ruffalo, it was a seamless transition though, to kind of easy make him, make him uh, uh, the incredible Hulk. And I think like, since Mark Ruffalo just seems like he already has like a, very nice everyman kind of image like he was really good at playing the whole like kind of nerdy part of the character like kind of that has to be yeah. reserved and i thought i i, I maybe because there was also time between the incredible hulk and the avengers like it, yeah i agree but, the, but, the, but there was no like it didn't seem jarring that it was like oh we have a new guy that's playing the part mm-hmm. especially you know i i think i thought he fit in uh really well and i i also liked seeing just the chemistry between the group for the first time like yeah. every like the whole riffing off each other like you know this is the first time that a lot of them are working together i mean i know that some of them had like 
you know, like Samuel L. Jackson had like a role in Iron Man 2, and so did uh, Scarlett Johansson. So they worked with Robert Downey Jr. before, but this was like having them all together for the first mm-hmm. time. And and that has to make the casting process interesting for the individual movies because you have to be like, all right, they work well here. I wonder if they all can work well together. Can they together. work well together? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they actually found that to be good too. I mean, it, it helps like Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson have known each other for years. They were already friends. Yeah. Um, and you know, at, at this point in his career, Robbie Downey Jr. has like got his shit together and he is apparently a joy to work with. He's very professional. And, uh, there's that aspect of it too. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, he, he signed like a multi-picture contract. He's just happy to be there too. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. he just got like, I'm in a position where I'm making like, you know, so they said that Samuel L. Jackson probably is like the biggest box office actor in the world, just because of all the franchises that he's been part of yeah yeah yeah. and i think he was just like yeah it's another big budget movie it's gonna make a ton of money i'm happy to be here too like uh it's it's just cool like i mean like it was just seemed like a happy experience a a happy experience that turned into like a really fun uh experience for fans i mean i don't know if you saw it opening day when it came out but i saw it opening day when it opened and i think like yeah pack theater and everyone was just so excited for it and then like it was just and it turned out to be like just so good and yeah it was great and i was like if they can do this right they can do like almost anything right so like well and i also really like how there's so many um ways to go about keeping the story going but like with something like the avengers they were able to keep that story going into spider-man um what was the the first one with the vulture Oh, homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah, homecoming. Because, I mean, that's where um, he got his start by trying to clean up that project. And, like, they did it as, hey, the superheroes, yeah, they saved the world, but they kind of left New York in a shithole. <laughs> like, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I love that they took that kind of avenue where it's not just like, oh, yeah, superheroes saved the day and now everything's happy-go-lucky. It's like, no, like, they even <laughs> did it with um, Wachovia in uh, Age of Ultron. It's like, people yeah. don't like what happened there. They superheroes aren't in a very good light. Um, so right. I think that there was a lot of really good avenues that they were able to take. And it all started from this. Um, I, I don't know if they were writing scripts um, for future movies like that, but they were able to just take this story and go into a thousand different directions, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. to, to touch on the Mark Ruffalo thing, I, I was watching an interview with him. I think it might've been on Graham Norton or something, but um they had told him that because he'd obviously auditioned for it and they were like, all right, so because they I think they introduced him at Comic-Con, didn't they? Yeah. 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 So basically he, the studio calls him and they're like, all right, so um, in the morning, there's either going to be a limo outside your house or there's not. If there is, you get in and you got the part <laughs> and you're going to go. If not, then thank you very much and have a good day. But it's, I, I can't imagine like just waking up and seeing that limo and realizing that your life is going to be like, they probably didn't yeah. even, he probably didn't even realize it at the moment. It's like immediately in that second, his life went from um, quirky, funny, romantic comedy guy to being the Hulk. And, and that Hulk, is just yeah. such a, such a crazy life change just from that one decision. And I think yeah. he's done fantastic in that role. I, I yeah. really liked him when he did um, Ragnarok. I thought that was one of his best performances when he was like kind of going they through all that. Be, I thought it was great. And, and, and they let him be funny in that too. Like that, that, that was, mm-hmm. he, he turned out to be like the perfect person for that part. That's so funny that you said that about that story with him because 
Marvel has a tendency to like when they call call Don Cheadle to take over War Machine after Terrence Howard uh, either left the project or got fired, whatever they want to, whoever wants to say what happened. Um, yeah. He he was at his like kid's birthday party and they were like, "Hey, do you want to take this part? You don't really have a lot of time to decide." And he was like, "Well, it's like a life changing like they, they said it's multi picture deal." They they spewed all that out on the phone call and he was like, "Okay, well that's a lot to decide. Can I can I have some time? I'm at my I'm at my kid's birthday party." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, call us back in an hour." And they were, he was like, "An hour?" <laughs> so he had like an hour, hour to decide. <laughs> he had an hour to decide. Yeah, I gotta like, have I gotta have a full conversation with my family. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, I quickly talked about it with my wife, and then just, they're like, I do it, do <laughs> All it. right? Yeah, so he like, he was like, dude, I had no time to think about it. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting like how that stuff happens for certain, especially even someone that Don Cheadle can still be surprised by how he's getting offered a part, or even someone like Mark Ruffalo can get surprised like, hey, like either the limo's outside and you got the part or it's not <laughs> like, or it's yeah deal with it whatever it is you're welcome <laughs> um how do you feel about because like when you get the avengers right and then you start getting the standalone movies like the honest trailers are like honest trailers are like trailers that make fun of like movies basically I love and they do like, yeah yeah and, and i remember when they had all these individual uh marvel movies that came out after the avengers they just kept making fun they were like Oh, like when Captain America needs to like fight the Winter Soldier, the Avengers did not assemble. <laughs> and, like it was like why? They're like so they're always like why are these like cataclysmic things happening in these individual movies, but the Avengers do not assemble to help at all. And I guess that is kind of yeah. interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's a funny. It's a it's definitely a funny take, but I mean at the same time, like you could make that excuse for any of the movies like let's just say iron man 3 where it's like oh the mandarin is a horrible terrorist and iron man's the only one worried about it yeah he's like i'm just gonna take a chill pill right here it's like yeah. you can make that excuse for any single other superhero movie that's going on it's like i i think that they um did it the best in uh spider-man homecoming or um no far from home where they're like he's like what about thor off world what about iron man he indispo like all, all yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. so i have to I, so i have to deal with it they're like yes <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean like marvel marvel has done that like loose excuse thing for like a lot of movies now like when they have to explain why captain marvel can't be there can't be there to help and she's like oh there's stuff going on like another planet <laughs> i have to like well it, it, it reminds me of it reminds me of what it reminds me of what christopher nolan did with uh tenet where they're kind of explaining like the whole reason behind everything and like why things move backwards and stuff and like i think even like in the script they're just like yeah it's it's very confusing uh deal yep. with it <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right, just, just, like they're, they're basically just like all right so here's the premise don't don't try and say that there's any superheroes that are going to come and help just deal with it just watch the movie yeah exactly you, you know what i also love about uh the movie too is that like they have a good villain in Loki because Loki, like Tom Hiddleston, is a really good actor and he he makes that character fun. But it didn't need like a big like grandiose villain to to really be good. Like he's not. Yeah. I never felt like he. I never felt like he was a complete threat. He was a good villain, but like the movie itself is just so massive that it also didn't really need like this huge huge conflict to like to make it good. Yeah. And um and I thought that was interesting too because like sometimes these movies like kind of live and die on like who the bad guy is and yeah while he like, he was a good presence but i also didn't think that like he overtook the movie either like it always 
was about like this core group of heroes basically they they yeah the villain didn't never outshine the heroes you know and some people have well, complained about I, I think i think the villain itself like the the part that was scary for why the avengers were needed was because there was a portal that was opened up to other worlds it wasn't necessarily right. loki itself himself right it was the fact that we're getting attacked from other planets. And like, that was the scary part rather than having this big, I mean, I think Ultron actually kind of did that a little bit where it's like, you need this sort of big, scary, I live in the internet. I know everything kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, all right, well, wow. That's, that's a lot to kind of really consider. Here's everywhere. It's like, all right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really like what you said. Yeah. Loki was a perfect sort of, he was basically just a general of the army. Like he wasn't actually a super villain. He was just, hey, I'm I'm the one leading the charge. Yeah, um, to kind of put a, a button on this, I'm just two more things. I for anything that you can remember, are there any like moments in the movie that are like were favorite for you that stand out like still for you? Um, well, just first thing that popped in my head was this the the credit scene with them eating shawarma. I thought that was hilarious <laughs> in the destroyed shop. Like yeah, that's yeah. super good. Um, but I I honestly really did like um. I like uh, Coulson's interaction with Captain America. I, I oh, like yeah. sort of like how he's like, oh, you've been, you're, I, I'm a huge fan. And he's kind of like, all right, like, I guess. But then he ends up um, dying. So it's like, damn, yeah. like now we do it for him. I, I really oh, like sort of that. Story, that <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, when, when he shoots the gun, he's like, oh, that's what it does. I like that. Yeah, Clark Gray, uh, his delivery, like, like in that as that character is like kind of like deadpan delivery, is yeah. like perfect. That's why I ended up enjoying watching Agents of Shield. It was mainly for him because he that character is a lot of fun, and like you can tell that he really has a good time playing him. And I did, I did like because after he died, he was like, "Well, I'm done playing the character," and then they had this whole idea that like, "No, we're gonna give you this like spinoff show," and he was like, "Like fuck yeah, all right, I'll Hell do yeah. it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think like he kind of is like the unsung hero of that movie. He's like really, really funny. And that, yeah. uh, um, I'm trying to get like, I thought the whole climax, the whole last battle still stands out because like a lot of times in like big special effects movies like this, when heroes are fighting like faceless villains or just machines or monsters or whatever, it can kind of turn into like a, a mess. But I thought yeah. that whole scene was like really well choreographed. And actually, giving a moment to every single one of them too. Like they all had yep. like a moment in that battle where like they completely stand out. Even someone like the human characters like Hawkeye and Black Widow have a moment where they stand out in that scene. It's not just people like Thor or like Captain America. Like they actually we were talking about how like sometimes in ensembles like someone doesn't the focus isn't on like everyone. And they managed to like in that last battle give them all kind of like time to shine a bit. And I thought that yeah. was like a really cool thing to see. I mean, I, I think the Hulk had it the best for sure. I mean, just this the line where it's like, and Hulk smash. Like smash. That, that's, that's a great line. But I, I think the best scene in the movie might be when it's like uh Bruce Banner says he's always angry and then um takes down that flying Leviathan thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, um just yeah. like his and then his transition into the Hulk, you're like, Holy fuck, that was sick. Like yeah. th th those those scenes give me like anytime the Hulk goes rampage, like I think too when he did his um thing in Age of Ultron, like when he was bewitched by um Scarlet oh, Witch. Scarlet Witch yeah. Like, that was such a good scene. I, I, I just 
I love seeing the Hulk go wild. That's just one of my favorite yeah. things. In the, like, that's what I live and die for in a superhero movie <laughs> is just seeing the Hulk get after it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like so good. Yeah, and like you know, because there's been so many times with that character they haven't gotten it right. Like that first Hulk movie that came out in like the early 2000s, which is awful. With uh, Eric just, Banner. Eric Banner, yeah. So it's nice to kind of see like, all right, maybe he doesn't need his own movie, but like you can make this character like work. Uh, well, because well, then they put him in the into the Thor universe and the, the Thor story, and I thought that was a perfect like segue yeah. for him to kind of have a little bit more of a supporting actor role. Yeah, and I also want to say too, I, not necessarily like a favorite moment, but I actually thought, even though like uh, Jeremy Renner doesn't have a ton of screen time as Hawkeye, they have to kind of establish that him and Black Widow are like not kind of buddies in combat, basically. And I actually yeah. liked the I liked their fight scene when he's still evil and she like you know she needs to she can't kill him but she's like trying to yeah. like you know basically knock sense into him literally <laughs> like snap out of it um i thought that kind of like the fight and then the aftermath where they're talking like kind of those two moments kind of set up like what that kind of camaraderie was between them and i think it kind of like even though like in endgame when she dies i may not have mm-hmm. felt like i may have not felt like the impact they were intending but i did think it was a good payoff to have them kind of have that moment together because i had gone through all yeah, they've gone through all this stuff, you know, through through all this stuff as humans, like not you know dying in these like intergalactic battles, and like you know this last thing, like they're not necessarily dying. She's not dying in battle; like she has to sacrifice herself, or he wants to at first. I love I love all the comments too, where they're like, "What if like Rocket and Thor went to Vormir?" Like, they were obviously the perfect people to go there because that's you needed a sacrifice. But it's like, what if any other characters went? Like, it just, wouldn't, no, it wouldn't you, have worked. You sit, you sit the two humans. Yeah, they have one of them has. To, yeah, you send the two that don't have any special abilities because like can't survive a fall like that. You know, so no, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's interesting. But yeah, I'm not because we're not talking about Agent Ultron. I do want to kind of ask you, like, after seeing like the Avengers and then getting a chance to see Agent Ultron, were you like disappointed, like that? It, did it feel like it wasn't as good of a follow up to uh, the Avengers? Um, I think it was a good follow up for sure. Um, I rewatched it again, and it was a lot better than I remember it. I just I have a hard time with. In, in all of these movies, you need sort of a, like, army of, like, goons that you can have a big scene where, like, all right, Thor's going to kill, whatever, a hundred of these enemies, but you can't have it necessarily be, you can't have all these extras and stuff. I didn't really like how the Age of Ultron was just a bunch of other Iron Men, basically. Like, he just had a, he built his own sort of robot army, and that was yeah. what they were fighting. I was like, all right, like that wasn't my favorite part, but um, I think that it was it was needed for the story. It's my least favorite Avenger movie, but that's just because all the other ones are so good. <laughs> like, right, it's, right. it's yeah. hard to rank them because like there there has to be one that's not as good or, or or the the last one on the list, but it's still good. It's just not the same as Infinity War, Endgame, and and then obviously the original. So it right. was needed, but it wasn't. Um, it, it was a perfect for that time because it was like right after Iron Man three. Yeah, yeah. So I think like I mean it was it was right in the like they planned it out perfectly. It was right when it needed to happen. Um, we got to see all the characters come back together again. Um, 
introduced Wanda, which didn't like her at first. Her accent finally went away. She was just kind of like Halle Berry. She's like, you know, I'm going to not do this Russian accent anymore. Um, (laughs) The one thing that I I wish that they had done in, um, like, I really think they've just underutilized vision. Uh, Like, he really didn't get a lot of screen time as him using his powers and him doing cool shit. Um, Right. But whenever he did do something like that, I loved it when it was in Age of Ultron. So I that was one of my that's what I liked yeah, about it. I think I think they definitely underutilize him. And like I think like when he dies in Infinity War, the reason that that works isn't necessarily because we've gotten to know him so much. It's she sells it. Like whatever yeah. pain she's going through, like she kind of sells that whole moment of like this just happened and how tragic it is. But yeah, he was kind of one of the most underutilized people, I think. And you know, he's like, like he's an unstoppable being <laughs> like right right I feel, I feel like they made him seem weak especially when he's fighting thanos's um like uh generals or whatever they're called um right like his, his mind stone beam was blocked by like a sword i was like yeah no 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 <laughs> no, no, no about that. <laughs> yeah and then, uh, that's funny and then you know and this franchise gets so big at one point that you can make captain america civil war and that's basically like a mini avengers movie like yeah. it's like it has like a fuck ton of the characters in it and they're just it like hey more. like <laughs> yeah like i always felt that even though civil war is a story in the comic books i always felt that like marvel was like all right some of these guys have like contract fulfillments we need to just throw them in another one <laughs> let's like let's put captain america above it we can't call it yeah. avengers but let's give the captain america another another run yeah like you know like jeremy renner you, you're supposed to do like six of these like let's throw you in here <laughs> like he's probably like yeah. cool i'm happy to be there um but yeah that's how like big it got at one point that it's i like, mean it's, can... it's where they introduced uh tom holland as spider-man so that was perfect that's spider-man yeah and also uh rest in peace uh chadwick boseman as black panther too got introduced in that movie um but yeah, I mean, I think what the first Avengers kind of shows, because I, it's interesting that we talked about like ensembles earlier and how like that sometimes people can get slighted. But I think this movie shows like it can work and you can do it right. And yeah. and people aren't just people are just going to be a Halle Berry and just be there. <laughs> they will yeah. like actually everyone kind of serves a purpose. Not in the MCU. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that like, 10 years is not a long time for all the stuff that they've cranked out. Like I, it, it seems Crazy. like it's, it seems like it was much longer ago that this movie came out and, oh, yeah. and but they've done so much since, uh, and the effects like, have gotten better. I mean, 2012, yeah. like, God, that just seems so archaic now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, cause I mean, we're about to go see Dr. Strange, which is going to be the definition of new age CGI, pulling out all of the stops to create right. the coolest visuals. Cannot wait for that to happen. But if you put that side by side with um, this Avengers movie, I mean, obviously the animation's good. Like the transition from Banner into Hulk is good, seamless. Yeah. It doesn't, it still holds up, but it's like, God, you can do a lot of stuff in 10 years. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and like, I'm not going to, you know, Joss Whedon did a good job directing this one. I know that like with Age of Ultron, like, apparently he wasn't so much uh, like an asshole but there was a lot of pressure with ultron to kind of i guess he may have put it on himself because avengers was so successful that there's just a lot of pressure to get it right and Mm -hmm. you can kind of even he kind of test talked about how that experience wasn't as fun but i'm glad like once he decided not to come back 
they transitioned into like the Russo brothers, which who did an amazing job with like amazing job. No, I mean they, they did amazing jobs beginning with Winter Soldier and then Civil War, and then they kind of took on those last two Avengers movies. And I don't, I, I'm not saying that Joss Whedon couldn't have done it, but I can't see it wouldn't have been that. It wouldn't have been like that. Um, but you know, I'll give the man credit where credit's due. He helped start it, and you yeah. know, he was. He was the person he deserves, his kudos, the deserves his kudos for sure for yeah, that one. He was the per- he was this person steering the ship when this all began, and like it wasn't necessarily it wasn't ne- necessarily a plan like guaranteed slam dunk either. So the fact that it all came together and like even ten years later, like even you saying like you know it's like maybe the third best Avengers movie, and that's yeah. like just saying like and that's like basically like not even an insult though. It's still like that whole franchise is. Uh, if you're just talking about just the four movies, it's still a solid group of movies. Yeah, I mean, saying it's the third best Avengers, but like if you put it in a culmination of all the other Marvel movies, it's definitely high on the list. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and it's funny because we're, you know, of course, we're seeing Doctor Strange this weekend and like the universe continues to grow and build. And I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do next. Kevin Feige says that we will eventually get another Avengers movie, but I think there's a lot of setup with more characters to kind of come before we get that sounds about right um but you know what if anything they marvel has taught us taking their time is their strongest asset and i'm i'm excited for what they have planned next so you know it's been a great run for them so far and uh i'm glad we were able to like kind of look back on a movie that is still kind of still holds up and oh yeah by far yeah holds up today um but yeah that's gonna wrap things up uh it's interesting because we talked about the friday the 13th thing on our last episode that's that's still happening um one of the other planned anniversary episodes and this is going to be the first time we've done this i at least i mean i i assuming you feel this way about this movie but uh attack of the clones it's turning 20 this month and it'll be the first it'll be the first time talking about a movie's anniversary where i don't like it <laughs> instead Ooh. of talking about instead of talking about how much we loved it and how we're praising it i it's gonna be a lot of at least on my end like what went wrong why it still doesn't hold up and it's literally yeah. gonna be an hour of us talking about how good revenge of the sith is <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna be like phantom menace not so good attack of the clones awful just skip to revenge of the sith i think that is what it's gonna be mostly but yeah. it's gonna be interesting to talk about to talk about a movie that like i don't i still i mean i've tried it's just like it doesn't, I can't get into it. But, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes even not so great things can be celebrated and like kind of reevaluated and kind of see. Yeah, it holds up for sure. It's Hayden Christensen starting off. And uh, yeah, I I definitely, I'm excited for that. I got a lot of opinions. Yeah, that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, that's going to be what's coming up next. And um, as always, Owen, you can sign us off. Yeah, Gase, it's been great. I'm glad we got a chance to do one uh, just, uh, just ourselves. Um, it's been a little, little while since we've done one. And, um, my favorite thing to do is on a Monday night, talk about movies. So guys, just want to appreciate you guys for listening, tuning in anywhere you can find podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify. It's where I like to listen to Spotify. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've consistently been rated pretty high in good pods and just want to keep thanking everyone for doing that. And if you, um, have a moment, we would love it if you would, um, like our videos, like our, uh, page, subscribe to it, comment, anything like that that you'd uh, like to do if you'd like to keep listening and maybe give us some ideas to got a pretty busy schedule. We got a lot of stuff planned, but if you have any other <laughs> ideas for us, then throw them out there for sure. Um, 
and yeah, we're uh, I'm excited to see Doctor Strange this weekend. So we'll definitely talk about that um, in uh, our episodes coming up. And that will be some spoilers. We're probably going to do that. We, I mean, I guess we did talk about some leaks. So sorry, guys, if you a little <laughs> bit of a late, late spoiler alert, but not our, um, not our fault, not our fault. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So they were already they're uh, already out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys, and I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Peace.